CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, December 10th. It's just moments away. But before we get into that, we'd like to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. First, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. The Ben Jarofsky Show. Don't know much about history. Hey, don't know much biology. Come on, everybody. Brianna, you too. Don't know much about science books. (laughs) And something about French. French is in that song. Starts now. It is Tuesday, December 10th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Mr. Bike Dave Glowatz is back. He's actually right here to talk all things local politics, and I promise you, he did ride his bike. And... It's an end-of-the-year recap with Democratic political strategists Lori Glenn and Juanita Irizarry. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this. Mr. Bike shows up early Tuesday, and here's why. Actually, that's, that's not what I was calling it, but Mr. Bike walked in. I'm so excited. I love it when my guests show up, D, and I, even lo- I love it even more when they show up early. Anyway. That's not what I was going to talk about right now. I'm going to talk about, well, let's first start with the uh, obvious thing. It's Tuesday, so I'm going to say what I always say. Uh, and uh, I had a great week. Did you have a good weekend, Dr. D? Yeah, had a great weekend. <laughs> you three want, days ago. You want this, Mr. Bike to look at you? Yeah, Mr. Bike, I need you to sit at this chair here. Yeah, sit something at that on. chair, right, Mr. Bike? Something uh, going and, on with your mic on that one. Yeah, there's something going wrong with your mic, and I don't that. know what it is. Anyway, I had a great weekend. Uh, I just want to say I saw Ford versus Ferrari, which uh, it's kind of inappropriate to talk about since it's a movie about cars, and uh, Mr. Bike is in the studio, and he doesn't have a car. He doesn't drive a car. He won't even look at a car. He only rides a bicycle Ring, ring, ring. But uh, I, I saw Ford versus Ferrari. You see Ford versus Ferrari yet, dude? No. Oh, Who won? That. Ferrari? Well, if I if I tell, it'll be like giving it away. Okay, no spoilers. It, it was a historical event. So it's sort of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like the thing actually happened in the movie. There was a showdown between Ford and Ferrari back in Le Mans in the 60s. I love it when they race around. There. Christian Bale. I love Christian Bale. Great movie. Had a really... Uh, Enjoyed watching it, but then woke up, had to get down to business day. Lots of news in the in the world that I had to deal with and confront. The Justice Department, they were they cleared the FBI and its investigation and the investigation of the FBI's invest, investigation of Donald Trump. I'll tell you what, Republicans, I gotta give my I gotta tip my hat to the Republicans. They are so slick. When their people do something wrong, they get the feds to investigate the feds who are investigating their people who do something wrong. I'm lost. <laughs> it's like they can never do anything wrong. It's only, oh, 
The lawmen, they're bad. They're bad people. They did something wrong. Donald Trump, uh, you know what? Hats off to Donald Trump. And he's got the Chicago Tribune Board of Editorial people. They they go along with it. Johnny Cass, columnist for the Chicago Tribune. He goes along. Well, the feds must have done something wrong if they investigated Donald Trump. But uh, so it's nice to see that the uh, Justice Department cleared the FBI uh, for wrongdoing in the investigation of Donald Trump, which won't, of course, stop any of these Republicans from saying that Donald Trump is an innocent victim of overreach by the government. Where were they in 1969 when the feds shot Fred Hampton in his sleep uh, hiding under the bed? By the way, I just want to say that was an excellent uh, interview we did with Flint Taylor and we dropped it on Sunday D right I urge everybody not now but later check that out that's fascinating um, historical perspective Flint Taylor talking about the FBI uh, teaming up with the state's attorney and Chicago police in 1969 killing Fred Hampton while he was sleeping anyway I'm waiting for the federal investigation into that it's not going to happen anytime soon other uh, other news the Democrats are about ready they may be doing this as I speak uh, uh, passing their articles of impeachment against uh, Donald Trump. So we'll be talking a lot about that tomorrow with Monroe. Uh, but uh, And still feeling a fallout of uh, Hillary Clinton's interview on the Howard Stern Show. I wrote a column about it, really upset about that. I really feel uh, huge levels of ingratitude on the part of Hillary Clinton uh, toward uh, Mr. Bernie Sanders and all the efforts he made to try to uh, get her elected back in 2016 over Donald Trump. And it exposes just this division between what, for lack of a better term, the Hillary and Bernie factions of my beloved Democratic Party. And I really do believe that the Hillary side of the Democratic Party has got to get over it already. All right. Still blaming Bernie for uh, the 2016 election, uh, as opposed to looking at all the other real reasons why uh, Hillary did oh, not you're win. You're reeling the in the listeners today. Uh, Hats off to <laughs> Donald Trump and uh, bashing the Hillary supporters. All right. Uh, here we go. And uh, so what else? Oh, I want to tell you about this conversation. I had a good dear friend with uh, my name, Danny. That's not his real name, but I'm going to conceal his real name because we'll wait to hear uh, what the conversation was about. Uh, Danny's a very smart, very creative guy. He's an artist. Uh, but I mentioned in passing while we were chatting about this, that, and the other thing, uh, Mayor Pete. And he said, who? And I said, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Dennis's favorite presidential candidate, the mayor. <laughs> It's just all doing that to see if he's paying attention. The mayor of South Bend, Indiana, 37-year-old, uh, doing very well in the polls. Uh, is one of the top three candidates in Iowa. He's one, I think he's one of the top three candidates in New Hampshire. And one of the top three candidates in your heart. Uh, <laughs> right, Ben? Uh, not really. Anyway, uh, and he said, what? Who? Huh? Point is, he'd never heard of Mayor Pete before. And I suddenly realized once more time that the world is divided into people who obsessively follow politics, the kind of people who listen to my show, and just this, the great mass of humanity that's not really paying attention. And D, this, I was trying to tell this to you before we got started, I really shouldn't... Uh, yeah, I wasn't paying attention. Repeat that, please. ...judgment of Danny or anybody else who does not know who Mayor Pete is, because mm. as you remember, I did not know who Billie Eilish is. <laughs> Okay, remember that? When my, uh, I was riding my bike to work, and I saw Billie Eilish's, uh, it was her picture, uh, uh, on a sign outside the United Center, meaning she was going to have a concert at the United Center. And I came into the studio, I go, D, have you ever heard of Billie Eilish? Did you know who she was? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think, think so. you knew who mm -hmm. she was. Mm -hmm. So I looked her up in the internet, and I discovered she's one of the biggest, most successful pop singers in America today. She has like 200 million downloads of a video that she released. So... I was really ignorant for not knowing who she was. And the only reason I knew who she was is I happened to be riding my bike by the United Center. I saw her picture out and that just, 
it, it occurred to me that there's a tremendous gap between me and the rest of <laughs> humanity. Oh, it took you long enough. <laughs> like, there's if you're already playing at the United Center and I haven't heard you are, I'm really behind the times, D. The same thing happened to me at one time at a Wrigley Field concert. I was walking past Wrigley Field. All these people with cowboy hats were going into Wrigley Field. So Wrigley Field, if you have, if you play at Wrigley Field, that means you're a pretty big superstar. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm like, who is who's playing here? It was a country western singer, Jason something or Al Dean. Yeah, I never heard of the guy. Not surprised. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I'm so bad. I never heard of Jason Aldean. But you've heard of Jason Aldean, but you hadn't heard of Billie Eilish. No. So anyway, well, now I know who she is, but back then I didn't know Billie Eilish. Uh, for 10 trivia points, which one of our guests was really... Leah. It was our intern. Yeah, she knew who Billie Eilish. Ben, you don't know who Billie Eilish is. In fact, for a long time, I thought it was Billie Eilish. Leah, I, we miss you, by the way. Yeah, I really, we really do miss Leah. Leah, uh, I hope you're... Ben, wait, she could be coming back for... Uh, don't tease me. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Billie Eilish. Uh, I was some, yeah, I guess it was Leah who knew who it was, but there was a guest who would give me a hard time. Anyway, I should not be upset that there are people out there who are not paying attention to the Democratic primary to replace Donald Trump, as important as that primary may be to me, as important as it may seem to me and Mr. Bike and you, Dr. D, uh, to see Donald John Trump defeated in this next election, I have to come to terms with the fact that there are people who are not paying attention in any way and to the point where they do not know who Mayor Pete is, all right? So I shouldn't get on my high horse and talk about it. I shouldn't talk about the ignorance of the American voter. I shouldn't talk about the ignorance of the Chicago voter, which is something I'll probably be talking about in a little while because the Sun-Times had one of my favorite articles with a uh, Fox Nabs top spot. We'll get into that uh, uh, in a little while. The lottery determining who gets where on a ballot, uh, which is, is really a, a confession that the voters are utterly ignorant uh, about the, the whole electoral process. So you know what, D? Instead of saying all those things, I'll say, you know what? If I don't know who Billie Eilish is, it's sort of acceptable that a very smart, very creative friend of mine named Danny did not know who Mayor Pete was. And so it's onward and upwards, all right, D? I learned who Billie Eilish is. I am determined as we head into the next year, to educate the public about all the Democratic candidates in the process to defeat Donald Trump. In the meantime, we got a great show today. Yes, Mr. Bike is in the studio. Yes, he rode his Mr. bicycle. Mr. Bike, <laughs> Mr. Bike, come on, yeah. Mr. Bike. Yes, he figured out how to get on the elevator and up here. He had a really great day, and I cannot wait. He's got all sorts of clips. Uh, no bike talk. We're not allowed to talk bikes. He's not, he's not going to ring his bell. What is that sound? Uh, he's trying, I think that's the bell. I think that's the geek meter from last week. <laughs> I think the, the geek meter. It, the geek meter will be set off a lot by Mr. Buck. By the way, Mr. Buck, I just want to tell you, I tried to um, I promote the segment on Facebook. I said, you know what? I'm going to discover my inner millennial. I'm going to promote the segment on Facebook. So I was. I did a link to Lori Glenn. Lori Glenn will be a guest uh, later on this show. Juanita Irizarry, she'll be a guest later on the show. So I did links to them on Facebook, but I couldn't do a link to you because guess what? 
you're not on Facebook. So that's correct. That's Facebook.com slash inside gov. That's inside G O V. Wait, time out. You're not in there as Mr. Bike or uh, Dave Glowatz? Inside Chicago. Ah, he's promoting. Look at that. He's on a different thing. Dave, you should have known that. Anyway, and, uh, and, let's go back in a, oh, and, oh, and, and Facebook.com slash biker tricks. For urban bikers, Wait, time tricks out. and so, tips. So you look at it, won't see a picture of you? Correct. Uh, okay, well, you're, all right. Well, all right, I will know that in the future. Uh, bikers tricks. Uh-oh. <laughs> what the hell is that? That's the geek meter. <laughs> it's too cold to stand outside and take the bell off of my handlebar, so I recorded it. Oh, okay, I love oh. it. But I love when he rings the bell. Ding, ding. It loses something in the digitization, doesn't uh, it? Yeah, uh, Dave has a whole bunch of tape a whole bunch of recordings from last week's uh, city council meeting where they passed the budget. We're going to take the deep dive in the budget. So all the people out there who are ignorant and don't know what's going on, you're going to learn stuff today, all right? Maybe you'll even learn who Mayor Pete is. Anyway, so great show today, plenty of political discussion. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the pride and joy of the 618, the man they call the doctor with the news. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Having a good Tuesday? <laughs> I'm Dennis. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. By the way, not knowing Billie Eilish is way different than not knowing Mayor Pete. <laughs> Billie Eilish, not running for president. <laughs> That's true. But she has 108. D, she has a song that has a, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's a song she performed on Jimmy Fallon's show. I learned that. Okay. You are so hip. I know, man. With Alicia Keys. She sang it with Alicia oh. Keys. So these are the things that are out there that people are talking about in America. They're hanging around a water cooler talking about these things. They're talking about Billie Eilish. They're talking about Alicia Keys. They're talking about Jimmy Fallon. And they're not talking about Mayor Pete. And I'm like, you should be talking about Mayor Pete. You should talk about the future of the world. And then when Mayor Pete's on Jimmy Fallon show, or anybody's on the Jimmy Fallon show, they like joke around. You know what I'm saying? Oh, let's not talk about it. And we're pretty issues. close to as many uh, followers as Billie Eilish on YouTube, right? Uh, she's at 184 million on that latest. We're getting album. there. We're like, a, yeah, yeah. We're 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 we each have the number one. Uh, in our group, okay? Uh, we got a ways to go before we catch up to Billie Eilish. All right, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. A lot of Mayor Lightfoot news to discuss. So before we get all caught up in all of that, let's begin with our Democratic Illinois governor. Today, Governor J.B. Pritzker is at the Leuna Training Center, and that's capital L lowercase i for some reason and then capital u n a that stands for laborers international union of north america he was there to do well what he always does sign legislation okay. typical pritzker <laughs> well that's what you want him to do i mean he's better than the last governor we had remember he would not would veto legislation uh, and say uh, harumph uh. <laughs> this legislation calls attention to workforce diversity when it comes to the rebuild illinois capital projects later on he'll join in the 40th anniversary celebration of the illinois human rights act being held at Carpenters Hall. In statewide news, the state of Illinois has begun taking applications today for those looking to get in the legal recreational marijuana game. Regulators are taking applications for new recreational marijuana retail store owners, applications to open up to 75 new adult use cannabis dispensaries beyond the ones already approved by the state will be taken from 9.30 a.m. this morning to 4 p.m. this afternoon on business days today through January 2nd at the office of the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation in the Thompson Center in downtown Chicago. So that's why all those people are at Thompson Center today, Ben. I know you're complaining. Uh, I 
I did not realize there were a whole bunch of people at the Thompson Center. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been thinking about this, D. You're talking about uh, recreational marijuana, the legalization of marijuana. I'm going to write a column coming up because I'm coming to the realization. Uh, I know this sounds really weird coming from me. I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but uh, <laughs> I'm at the point. <laughs> I'm at the point where I don't want it legalized anymore. All right. I, I want marijuana to go back to being illegal. Um, I just because your dealer is going to raise prices. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's Mr. Bike weighing in. Uh, Dave Glowatz. Uh, and no, I mean, it's, it's a long, complicated story, uh, probably related to probably I, I need psychiatric help, like something I really want in the world when I finally get it. Then I don't want it anymore. I need it. That's showing that's a cry for help, uh, Mr. Bike. But uh, the other thing is just, just the whole way we're going about it. The, the, my main criticism of the war on drugs and particularly the, um, the fact that marijuana was illegal is that black people got arrested for something that white people did. So now we've legalized and guess what? Everybody making money off it is a, a rich white guy. And it's just like we're just plowing ahead with this process, just making rich people, the same people who just pretended as though these inequities didn't exist when they were locking up black people for the things that white people did, the same people who were smoking reefer and then going, oh my God, pretending they weren't, the same people who were the utter freaking hypocrites that irritated me so much when marijuana was illegal are now gonna be benefiting from it, from the legality of it. And that just irritates me to no end you and the black caucus in the city council yes words i never thought would come out but yes i see eye to eye with the black caucus <laughs> of the city council black caucus usually is very favorable in their attitude toward mayor rom and mayor daly but in this particular point i'm with jason urban 100 percent alderman jason urban the pride and joy of the 28th ward i'm with him 100 percent so it's like the utter hypocrisy of the war on drugs has been replaced by the utter hypocrisy of the legalization of marijuana. And I say, let's just go back to making it illegal. But with this little caveat, all right? Love all it right. when I speak Latin. This little caveat. <laughs> <laughs> this little caveat. No one should be arrested for it. How about that? It's illegal, but no one should be arrested for it. And Dr. D's dealer and Mayor Bike's dealer can... Uh, Mayor can, Bike! Uh, Thanks for the promotion. I don't. I don't. I'm sure I want the job. It's like, it's like Eddie Johnson, right? He didn't want the job, but he got it anyway. Oh my God, we haven't. I'm even sorry. Eddie I'm Johnson. sorry. I brought up Eddie Johnson. Oh my God, I am utterly obsessed with Eddie Johnson. What do you What do you name the scandal of Eddie Johnson? What's it called? Johnson Gate or Eddie, Eddie Gate. Gate? Eddie Gate. Eddie Gate. It's so, Eddie Gate. all right, say there was a scandal in the Chicago Water Department. What would you call that? Watergate. <laughs> so mm, confusing. <laughs> Catch these two at Zanies this weekend. <laughs> you guys are anyway, uh, so D, I'm just saying it. You know what? It's so hypocritical. The hypocrisy, I guess it was the hypocrisy of the war on drugs um, was the, the second worst thing about the war on drugs. The first worst thing was all the people who were arrested and uh, off, just so uh, thrown into jail, whose lives were ruined. Uh, but the utter hypocrisy of it was just too disgusting to take, and now we've just replaced one hypocrisy with another. So that's all I got to say on the subject, D. Right. Let's make marijuana illegal again. But no one can be arrested. You really no. got to put that second part no, in No, the second part. No arrests, okay? We're gonna, we should pass a law. Nobody can be arrested for possessing reefer or smoking reefer. How about that? 
All right, on to the Chicago news. No public event scheduled today for Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Benny J, Mr. Pike, Dave Glowatz. It's a cold December afternoon in the city of Chicago. <laughs> what do you guys think Lori Lightfoot is doing right now? Having lunch. Oh, okay. Uh, a luncheon. Right. A luncheon, a luncheon. What do you say, Mr. Bike? She's going over a recording of her interview with Mayor Pete. Ah. <laughs> oh, very good. Did you go to Segway school? I mean, because that was a perfect Segway. Because I've never been on a Segway. <laughs> about that Q&A forum Lori held in Iowa with 2020 presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg. Our show ended Friday before we could talk about it. Mm. And hey, way to go, Mayor. Lori put political pressure on Pete. She grilled him. Yeah, she even made national headlines. The following comes from CNN.com. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot pressed presidential hopeful Pete Buttigieg to break his non-disclosure agreement with the elite consulting firm that once employed him as the crowded 2020 Democratic race progresses toward the Iowa caucuses. Lightfoot asked the South Bend, Indiana mayor, quote, shouldn't you break that NDA with McKinsey and company so that you have the moral authority and the high ground to get somebody like President Donald Trump, who hides behind the lack of transparency to justify everything he's doing? Wait, time out. If that's a quote of what Lori said, that's the exact quote? I believe so. Yeah. Dang, Lori, that's a good question. All right, we have the audio here. Shout out to CNN. Ben, prepare to vomit in three, <laughs> two, one. You said you can't talk about your work at McKinsey. Uh, because of a non-disclosure agreement. And you think uh, today uh, that you got to honor your commitment to McKinsey. I'm asking you, shouldn't you break that NDA so that you have the moral authority and the high ground against somebody like Trump who hides behind the lack of transparency to justify everything that he's doing? So no. here's what I'm doing. First of all, um, <laughs> I, I just pushed out a bunch of information about each of the engagements that I did when I was at McKinsey. This is my first job out of school. It's not like I was the CEO. I was making a lot of spreadsheets and PowerPoints. But people ought to know from somebody who proposes to be the president of the United States uh, what's in your past. And just as I have considered it important to release all of the tax returns from when I first entered the private sector, something not all of my competitors have been willing to do, I also think it's important for my client work to, uh, to be out there, too. So I've pushed as much information as I can without breaking the promise that I made in writing. And I am asking my former employer to do the right thing, to not make uh. me choose between claiming the moral high ground and going back on my word. Yeah, but they're they not going fix to, this right? Tonight. And NDAs are, are courts across the land have said that they're not enforceable. You should break the NDA. I'm going to give him a chance to do the right thing, and then we'll take it from there. Dang, a, Lori! I think that was a good equivocation on Mayor Pete's part, too. That, what, you mean ducking and dot? Listen, yeah, yeah. man. He, first, like, he didn't say, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, you? no, he... All right, I know you're a huge Mayor Pete fan, but let's just put, put that aside. <laughs> I like Indiana, but... Uh, uh, I now, got, our listeners I, can't see it, but he brought in a, a Mayor Pete poster. Yeah. <laughs> under the table. Don't show him. Wait, can I just give a shout out to Lori Light? I've been kind of hard on Lori since she, uh, the last couple months, but that was, I could not agree more with Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She was absolutely correct. Mayor Pete, hiding behind that uh, NDA or uh, non-disclosure agreement that he signed when he was a kid out of college with, uh, with that consultant firm, uh, McKinsey is the equivalent of Donald John Trump uh, saying he can't release his taxes because he's being audited. In other words, he, well, Trump is worse, I guess, because he just made it up. There's no rule that says you can't release your taxes because you're audited. Uh, but yeah, I agree with Lori Lightfoot 100%. There's no reason for him. That NDA was signed 10 years ago. What, are they going to sue him? 
They're going to take him to court? McKinsey's going to take Mayor Pete to court. They're taking you to court because you you violated an NDA you signed when you were like 22. And yeah, you should release it because these... Part of the re- part of the reason the Democrats have so little credibility on the national level with my friends of the Bernie Sanders persuasion is because there's so many consultant groups like McKinsey who are always advising them to try to like betray their their values that made them Democrats in the first place by coming up with these little slick PR slogans that divert from real interests that affect people like the need for health care for all. And so the fact that he worked for that organization uh, back in, when was it, 2010, 2011, uh, whenever he was working for them, is a source of irritation and concern to many Democrats of the Bernie leftist persuasion. And so Lori Lightfoot's absolutely correct. Tell people what you did for them and stop hiding behind this what kind of firm asks its employees to sign NDAs anyway? Like, who do you think you are? Did the Sun-Times ask you to do that before you get this gig? Are you? That's a joke, right? Be joke. Like, why would anybody ask me to sign an NDA? No, I, no, nobody asked me to this sign. This is like those FBI, uh, what do they call those things when they- Nobody asked, just so people know, that was a joke. <laughs> nobody asked me to sign an NDA. That's correct. Thank what, you. what are those uh, security letters that people get, like, well, when they're, when they're, um, there's a national security inquiry that the FBI makes and they make it to you and they say that you're required by federal law not to disclose that we gave you this letter. So you can't admit that you had, they're dealing with the FBI on this. This is a, I, 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 I do not know what you're referring to, uh, but uh, I don't, See, this exists. It exists. I believe it exists. I'm just saying you could have signed something for the Sun-Times, but you were required to say that you didn't sign it. I did not sign anything, See? anywhere, See? anytime uh, from anybody. My beloved Bright One didn't ask me to sign anything. The reader didn't ask me to sign anything. Or that's what you have to say. <laughs> oh, my God. He's tricked me, Dr. <laughs> Bike or Mr. Bike. No, I didn't sign anything. Nobody asked me to say I signed something when uh-huh. I didn't sign it. Sure. And uh, I don't understand why... Any uh, firm like McKinsey would ask anybody who worked for him to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And I further don't think it should be binding now, 10 years later, when uh, Mayor Pete is running for uh, president. And I don't blame anyone of the Bernie Sanders persuasion for being upset that Mayor Pete will not release uh, the information. And kudos to Lori Lightfoot for asking that question. Non-disclosure agreement. That's what it is. Yes. Been wondering the whole time you guys were talking. I'd like to hear some more audio of um, Lori Lightfoot in the courtroom. You know, like what she, what is she like when she's dealing with witnesses? I bet it would be interesting. Was Lori Lightfoot now? Um, she's a federal prosecutor. Utter uh, ignorance here. How many times was she in a federal courtroom in the last like ten years? I don't know the number, but she was. She was in there. Mm-hmm. That was a good question. She came at him hard, and Mayor and Mayor Pete's response along the lines of "habita habita habita." <laughs> All right, enough about Friday's news, because the mayor's looking ahead, really far ahead. In fact, a whole decade ahead. Oh, yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, she knows it's a four-year term, right? With the uh, Chicago teacher strike and that city budget in the rear view for now, it's time to discuss what's next for our Chicago mayor. On Monday, Lightfoot announced what the Lori PR team and Illinois Politico were calling her, quote, next big thing. It's her 10-year plan to grow Chicago's economy. The mayor detailed her plans during a speech Monday, and her plan calls for growing four, one, two, three, four different sectors. 
And Ben, say what you will when we're done with this story. One, at least two, three, four. Got it. He's a counter. And Ben, yeah. say what you will when we're done with this story. At least none of the four involve marijuana or casinos. We were starting to look a little desperate there for a minute, just begging casinos and pot to bail us out of our problems. But here they are. We start with number one. Number one. <laughs> TDNL, which stands for Transportation, Distribution, and Logistics. Oh, I thought the L was love. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, That's number five. Uh, number two. Wait. Yeah. Number, number two. two. Technology. Te- Wait, wasn't the T? Oh, oh, the T and the tra- it was transportation. Keep technology. up, Benny. Number three. <laughs> number three. Tourism. Oh, <laughs> well, there's another T. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And yeah, it looks like number four is also on here as well, but it was mentioned in the first number one. Number four. Logistics. logistics. Logistics is in it twice. It's Wait, really, what important. Is logistics? really important. What is logistics? It's when you have, you're connecting things to other things. Like um, City Colleges has a logistics specialty at one of its schools where it hooks people up to careers in like warehousing, you know, or. Um, but no, logistics as a growth industry. So that's a growth industry? Yeah, because in, in large urban areas like Chicago, you have all these logistics centers that are in the periphery and the suburbs where the stuff comes in by plane and then they put it on you know, Amazon Prime vans and they bring it into the city. So all that, that interface between when it goes from one mode to another is called logistics. Wait, time out. What are you literally bringing? Products. What did you? What's the last thing you ordered on Amazon? I've never ordered anything on Amazon. Bad example. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not true. I'm, I I sit corrected. Uh, about five years ago, I ordered a book on Amazon, and then I vowed never to do it again. Uh, so I yeah, sit corrected. Some people I live with get stuff. Every Wait. So day. so you're saying logistics is the delivery of goods uh, through. Uh, on an online service like Amazon. That's that's one aspect of and it. And so yeah. that's uh, an, a growth industry. So yeah. you get people to work in the warehouses and distribution centers. Yeah. I think there's more growth out of Reefer, be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> Thank God he came here early. All right. A lot of logistics here. Lightfoot uh, said success in building these industries hinges on one thing. Uh-huh. Population growth. Yes. yes, we need even more hipsters in Logan Square. <laughs> Leaked Yards is going to help us with that. Oh, yeah. They're just going to move the hipsters from Logan Square to Lincoln Yards. They're not creating new hipsters. Here's the quote from I'd like that. Here's the quote from Lightfoot. Quote, we will not be able to progressively develop the city revenues we need unless we attract, retain, and grow our population. She called on help from members of the Economic Club Monday to get this 10-year plan rolling, saying to the Economic Club, quote, we need your partnership and investment. Eh, less of the former and more of the latter, but seriously, help us out. Lightfoot also got quite an applause during her speech, but it wasn't so much for her 10-year plan. It was when she addressed all this damn dirty Chicago corruption and ethics reform. Mm, yeah, that's always an easy, uh, 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 an applause gathered. By the way, I just want to say, I don't know, if I need an explanation um, from Dave about what logistics are, uh, I think I'm not alone in that one. Uh I just want to go back to when the teachers were on strike and uh, one of the things they were calling for were more nurses. I don't think anybody needs an explanation of what a nurse is and how important a nurse is and how we need more nurses. But remember so much criticism from corporate Chicago. Oh, we can't afford nurses. But it's a good thing somehow or other when we have a person employed in logistics, but it's not a good thing when we have a person employed in nursing. Just throwing out there, interesting little contrast. I would like to think that like more nurses and social workers and counselors and teachers, 
firefighters, policemen, real like occupy. I guess I'm just like this old school guy, old guy there, not modern hip like Mr. Bike, who knows what a logistics employee is. <laughs> I don't think that qualifies me as hip. <laughs> I, 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 this might qualify me as corporate. Now I just, I, I just got finished praising uh, Mayor Lightfoot, and I really. Didn't mean that. I thought it was a great question. She asked Mayor Pete, and she really uh, held his feet to the fire. But this that speech about growing logistics is kind of Mayor Rahm country. Isn't that the kind of thing, Dave, that Mayor Rahm would be talking about? So you're saying that in some ways the mayor, the current mayor resembles the former mayor? Is that <laughs> what I'm hearing you say? Yes, yes. Wow. I'm not saying Rahm, too, like some people would say. But, I mean, that that's the kind of thing a mayor says. You know, it's like the downtown community. Yeah, we need more logistic workers. That's what we need, more logistics. Take a chill pill, man. Oh, thanks, Ram. <laughs> so there anyway. you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois. Of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. People, don't go anywhere. The Ben Jarofsky Show is just getting started. And after this short little break, Mr. Bike is here. Hey, ring that, uh, make that bell noise again. <laughs> this is a bell, guys. This is a bike bell. <laughs> that sounds like the nerd meter from last week. <laughs> Much more where that came from. Don't go anywhere. The Ben Jarofsky Show will be right back. We are live from the Chicago Sun-Times. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jaromsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Dave Glowatz is in the studio. We call him uh, Mr. Bike because he wears many hats. One of them is a biking helmet. Uh, he knows more about biking in the city of Chicago, biking anywhere than anybody I know. He's, Lance Armstrong. He knows more about biking in the city of Chicago than Lance Armstrong. Lance knows more about doping than I do. Y yes. Uh, Dave Glowatz is no dope. Uh, so <laughs> usually, usually when you come on the show, you give me a piece of paper, a cheat sheet to read, and then I act like so knowledgeable. <laughs> Dave Glowatz is blah, 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 but you didn't give me the cheat sheet. So why don't you tell people what the cheat sheet would say so they know who you are? Independent journalist Dave Glowatz writes on local government at shygov.com. That's inside Chicago government. 
and other places. On Facebook, look for Inside Gov and on Twitter, C-H-I-G-O-V-T. And Dave Glowatz, in another lifetime, would come over to my house once a week or once every other week and interview me, talk to me about uh, city politics. It was a blast uh, doing that. We, for how many years did we, 10 years? Well, we did the podcast for 10 years or 11, I think. We did 11 years, Whoa, but the, at the end of which we transferred to doing it over at the studios of uh, that radio station that you were on. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. You think I would remember? It's WCPT 820. <laughs> but listen, Dave, that's really interesting. Like you were doing like podcasts before podcasts were like a thing, it seems like, right? One of my credentials is, is uh, I'm the host of the original Ben Jarofsky podcast. No, right. Yeah, he. I got to give him credit. It was 2007. I think it was 2007. Yeah. We have a mutual friend, Kevin Lamb, uh, who is best known for being a cheesehead and loving the Green Bay Packers. He has a problem with that. He has a lot of issues, and he's trying to <laughs> confront them. Okay, that cheesehead thing. Trying to confront them with you, actually. <laughs> he just sent me a text. He's just so obnoxious. Uh, Kevin Lamb, what? L-A-M-M, uh, when it comes to his beloved Green Bay Packers. Anyway, uh, and uh, so he was the one who said, Dave, you should meet Ben, and Ben, you should meet Dave. And I remember it was, I was a TIFF talk. It was a panel discussion. Panel discussion on TIFF. And Sponsored by Independent Voters of Illinois, if I'm not mistaken. I think you were correct. I think Mike Quigley may have been there as well. Perhaps. Am I right about that? Perhaps. Uh, anyway, Mike Quigley at the time probably would have been a Cook County Board Commissioner. Uh, so Dave said, hey, let's do this thing. A pod- I didn't know what the hell it was. And uh, I said, sure, why not? Ten years later, uh, he would be interrogating me, D. He would interrogate me. All right, now the shoe's on the other foot. Yeah, I'm going to really grill him. Uh, and uh, so now he's a regular on my show. And uh, Dave, we're going to be talking about uh, the city council, Lori Lightfoot, passing the budget. Dave takes a deep dive. He's got a lot of good audio. But before we do that, I'm going to grill you. Okay, I'm going to flip the switch. All right, I'm going to pretend it's the old days, and I'm and you're me, and I'm you. Whoa! And I'm going to ask you this question. This question was in my beloved bright one today, home delivered as always, regarding an older woman from the 39th ward in the city of Chicago, Northwest Side. Samantha Nugent is her name. She's a rookie alderman, and she's upset because the mayor uh, is taking away uh, a tiff that's in her ward, the Irving Park Elston TIF. Uh, she's uh, abolishing the TIF, and when the mayor abolishes a TIF district, uh, with the, the city council needs to vote on it, when the mayor does that, then uh, all the taxes that normally get diverted uh, to the TIF bank account are there for all the taxing bodies. So it's uh, property taxes that instead of supporting whatever programs are in the TIF, uh, will support the schools and the parks and the libraries, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, Alderwoman uh, Samantha Nugent is upset because she wants to use at least some of the $161,904 uh, in the closing balance in this TIF for, quote, ornamental metal signposts to identify the old Nerving Park neighborhood she represents. Quote, we're starting to get a lot of restaurants and shops, and we want to help promote that. In your humble opinion, Dave Glowatz, should that $161,904 be used for ornamental metal signposts uh, in the old Irving Park neighborhood? Or should it be used for schools, parks, police, firefighters, et cetera, and so forth? Dave Glowatz, answer that question. The first thing I would do is look at the redevelopment plan for that TIF district and see if it's covered in the plan. 
to see if what's covered in the plan. What Alderman, I'm sorry, with uh, the city council member Nugent would like to do. In other words, you're saying something that I wasn't even raising, that the, the district, was, district was created for something other than ornamental, uh, ornamental signposts. And in fact, she may be using money that was intended for something other than an ornamental signpost on an ornamental I'm just sign. leaping right up to the balcony view and say, saying that every TIF district has a document associated with it at its creation called the redevelopment plan, mm-hmm. which outlines what the district is in t- the district money is intended to do. And for all we know, that's right in there. Yeah. So in other words, let's say it was, let's say, okay, by the way, a bit of invasion and a duck and a dodge uh, of the question. It was a direct yes or I no question. I think I answered your question. Uh, uh, yes, you did answer the question, but <laughs> I was a duck and a dodge. It's like that saying, you know, God answers every prayer, but sometimes the answer is no. Let's let's move on. Yeah. So then you're saying so she's saying no. She shouldn't be able to uh, spend the money. No, I was making an entirely different point. Oh, but, so, but I'm just saying that this might be an intended use of that money, but without looking at that plan, I have no idea. All right. So, so I'm, I will answer your question, yes or no. If it's in the plan, then I'd say sure. Then she should be able to spend it on yeah. that, as opposed to uh, kicking it back to the schools, the parks, the libraries, et cetera. The question for you is the what is it, two hundred and some thousand dollars that the mayor used to rehab her her office suite when she came into office? Was that an intended use? What district is that? Is that LaSalle? Uh, I think it's LaSalle district. I think it was two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. So quote was, me on that. So I'm wondering when they created the redevelopment plan for that TIF district, did they have mayor's office rehab in there? Well. The point I'm making is that it's not whether the greatest, uh, if you will, uh, sin, to use the follow-up on your religious themes of the program, is not so much whether they're following uh, exactly the stipulations. The plan. The plan to spend the money. It's that they're spending the money on uh, frivolous things that they shouldn't be spending the money on, that the money, there are far more pressing needs that we have. But what if this is what her constituency wants? Doesn't have, doesn't that have any priority? Uh, so in other words, well, that's an interesting question. So we should put that to the voters of the, th- so you, you're saying that if the, the people of 39th Ward would rather have the money spent on ornamental signposts as opposed to firefighters, police, schools, libraries uh that should be the overriding point and they and they should be able to spend the money TIF is an economic stimulus tool right that's what it's intended to be yes so perhaps the case has been made or could be made that this marketing function of showing the business climate or proclaiming the business climate literally from the street poles (laughs) is is a way to stimulate uh economic uh some economic activity dave glowatz could not get through that sentence without laughing i just want to word but i'll give you credit man uh that is a great uh uh it's a great skill to be able to uh, argue any point and play devil's advocate Uh, i didn't even go to law school i i didn't even go i saw this story i go i know there's some people in, in in the city of chicago Chicago, who when they see these ornamental signs start railing and ranting what a waste of money and uh you know i would i would have to say in my humble opinion that i would agree with the mayor on this one i'd rather the hundred sixty one thousand nine hundred four dollars uh go to something other than ornamental uh metal signposts 
uh, to schools, libraries, police, firefighters, etc. It's not. Admittedly, it's not a. In the total scheme of things, what's the budget? I'm asking you about that. Eight billion dollars. Is that what the budget is? The number is eleven point seven. Very good. Wow, eleven point seven. I was only three billion <laughs> off. Point <laughs> uh, three billion. Uh, yes. Wait. Time out. It was eleven point seven billion dollars. Anyway, all right. I just uh, wanted to Six, see how five, you handle that. But your your point's a good one. So now, if it's not in the uh, the development agreement, if it's if uh, the Irving Park Elston TIF does not have a line item for uh, ornamental metal signposts. Uh, do you think the money should go back to, should go back to the taxing bodies uh, or should she should be allowed to override that? I think that even before it came to this point, in other words, there was a city council committee meeting that then ended up in the newspaper that the agency with jurisdiction, namely the Department of Planning and Development, should have had a conversation with Ms. Nugent and said, you know, we're, we're planning to close this TIF district. How are you, how are you doing with that? You know, there, the, this is a direct result, I think, of the mayor's executive order to try to rein in the things that aldermen were getting away with. I shouldn't say getting away with it. Aldermen were allowed to do that were outside the municipal code. And so she asked, the mayor did in her executive order upon taking office, to identify those things. What are the things that you are letting aldermen do that are not statutorily required, but it's just a custom. So I, what I'm guessing is that people in the Department of Planning and Development, who had the most largest number of those things that they reported that they were doing with aldermen, uh, are, are just not, haven't figured out quite how the collaboration works yet. Mm. That's what this story is saying to me. Well, this story is actually, we're, we're going to get into the budget uh, in a little while. This actually ties to the budget story. Uh, Essentially, what the mayor is doing is to raise the money uh, to pay for ongoing obligations that she has in this current budget. Uh, she's closing uh, TIFs, and so the, the money that's generally diverted, the property taxes that are diverted to the bank accounts, each individual TIF bank account from which they'll draw to do things like pay for ornamental metal signposts uh, in Old Irving Park will instead be sent back uh, to taxing bodies like the, uh, the library, their schools, the, uh, the city of Chicago, which controls fire and police, the, the Cook County uh, board, and so- President's security detail. Yeah, so it could go for all things. Their increased could, wages. It could go for all the different items uh, that are covered by the uh, the city's budget, the Cook County budget, et cetera, uh, and so forth. And so that's uh, that's what Lori Lightfoot is doing. And I've seen this actually, Dave, from time to time. Uh, Aldermen get upset because they've come to view these little TIF uh funds as their own little mini, well, they wouldn't call them slush funds, uh, but neighborhood development uh, accounts. So that's a nice euphemistic way. They're very possessive of them. Yeah, yeah. and uh, in fact, uh, in the same Sun-Times article that Francis Spielman wrote, Walter Burnett of the 27th Ward uh, is lamenting, he's siding with Alderwoman Nugent saying, some of the tips that are in my ward are tips that I initiated to encourage the Department of Planning to put in. So aldermen should be notified and okay uh, with taking them out, uh, Burnett, so he's sympathetic uh, to her. I'm a little less sympathetic to her because I think the money are, was taken from the schools, the parks, et cetera, in the first place without proper oversight. Uh, and so now they're just sort of kicking it back. 
but uh, your point is very well taken. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, f- was just like every other, like acting like an alderman when she needed uh, her city uh, offices redone. She just dipped into the TIF slush fund, found two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars to fix up her offices. And I remember there was uh, a few years ago, Mayor Daly did the same thing, wasn't it? When he was building a ramp, we talked about this. I think a ramp, there, a ramp uh, for wheelchairs that went to the um, city council when they redid the uh, uh, the lobby outside the city council chambers. I know that ramp. Yeah, they t- they dipped into the old good old TIF fund, and Brendan Riley was upset about that one from the forty. Is that technically? in his district is his word right? yeah someone's gonna dip into that tip on he wants to do the dipping by the way correct. i, I believe that ms nugent calls herself alderman as does pat dowell as does carrie austin is that true yeah i could tell but you just go to the, go to her website and, uh, uh yeah the uh, sun times just wrote ald my beloved yeah. bright one uh so anyway i sue i'm just quoting uh the great uh alder woman uh sue Garza. does call herself she that. says and and she urges all uh, other women in the city council so i'm following sue garza's lead uh all right uh you have a bunch of uh, interesting clips that you want to play i'm going to turn the uh turn it over to you and lead a uh, young dennis through the playing of his clips and then we'll analyze them well as you said a moment ago the city council passed an 11.65 i think billion dollar city budget on november 26th at their meeting and yes that's billion with a b (laughs) and And what was the vote on that well there were about eight ordinances it's kind of an arcane thing is that it's it's still really difficult i think for the average person to go to a city council meeting and and figure out what the heck they're talking about (laughs) yeah even though they have you know i have right here the agenda and it does have eight items on it all relating to the budget but none of them actually say this is the city budget you know there's the uh, substitute ordinance amending the appropriation there's a substituted series of amendments there is the appropriation ordinance there is uh, various municipal code provision changes so what basically what it boils down to is there is an, a, a revenue budget mm-hmm. that, that defines where we're getting money from taxes fees um, fines those things and then there is a um, uh, appropriation I'm sorry a, um, uh, a management sort of a management budget that, that lays out here's everything that we're going to spend money on so there's what we're going to the revenue side and there's the spending side so they were there were two essential roll call votes there were a bunch of yeah you know just sort of voice you know at large voice votes but two roll call votes that were key mm-hmm for the appropriation ordinance where the, the talks about where's all the money coming from what's the uh, where where the revenues come from it passed 39 to 11 and if you'd like the uh here's a scorecard oh thank you Sorry. and for those uh, just listening on the download ladies and gentlemen david glowitz has the documents <laughs> he does he does have the documents this is really helpful so one of the things to note about that is that it didn't pass unanimously and, and this is the vote that's often reported as the one that, that was the, the city budget vote because they packaged about a half dozen ordinances into that one. And if you run down the list, you'll see names like La Spada, Lopez, 
Taylor, Rodriguez, Sigcho Lopez, Rodriguez Sanchez, Ramirez Rosa, Vasquez Martin Haddon. These are the some of the newbies who are so-called progressives. Some are who in a um, self-proclaimed socialist block. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, there were a half dozen people who call themselves socialists that said they issued a statement ahead of time that's saying we are voting no on this budget together. They said that. There are a couple of people who are, I think we would agree, not conforming to the socialist moniker, <laughs> namely Alderman Beal of the Ninth Ward yeah. and Alderman Lopez of the 15th Ward, who, also, who also voted no on that, mm-hmm. on that thing. The other big... Um, roll call vote was essentially one about raising property taxes next year. And, and you probably, I'm sure you've talked about this. This is a big issue, like whether the mayor was going to try to go to that well, mm-hmm. to try to raise revenue. And as it turns out, um, the city is raising property taxes next year to the tune of about $72 million, but only $25 million of that is actually going to result in increase in your bill, my bill, everybody else's property tax bill. The other amount comes from stuff like closing TIF districts because mm-hmm. now some of this property is being put back into the, the general revenue stream. So, you know, yay for closing TIF districts. However, because it does raise property taxes, this other set, this other uh, ordinance, notice that the vote was 35 to 15. Mm-hmm. So four more aldermen jumped on who jumped on? It was Alderman Hopkins of the second ward. It was Alderman Napolitano of the 41st, Riley of the 42nd, and Smith of the 43rd. So they get to go James back to Gardner their- as well. Was Gardner in there? Yeah. Sorry, I see yes. that now. Uh, so, yeah, so it, it, this is an important point that uh, Dave's making. Uh, follow us, uh, I follow him on this one, folks, because it get a little complicated. Uh, there was money appropriated by the city council to pay for all the goodies in the budget, that passed 39 to 11. Then there was a, a different vote on raising the property taxes by how much did you say, 20 million? 72 million. $72 million. That passed 35 uh, to 15. So <laughs> this is a distinction without meaning, but apparently these aldermen and older women wanted to make this distinction. They wanted to say, they voted no to um, uh, ra- literally raising the property taxes uh, but they, <laughs> what they don't tell you is that they voted to appropriate the property taxes. So uh, I guess they're, I don't know what. what they want to be able to say yes, to their constituents mm-hmm. that I did not vote to raise property taxes, even though the budget is not complete without this additional set of revenue. So oh. they, you know, they came up with some creative ways, which we can talk about in a minute, about how to find uh, to close what the mayor advertised was nearly a $900 billion shortfall in expenditures, anticipated 2020 expenditures versus 2020 income. Mm-hmm. Mayor, Hob- uh, mayor Hopkins, wow. Alderman Hopkins, well, everybody's getting Freudian promoted slip. today. Yeah. <laughs> First, I'm mayor, now Brian's mayor. Brian Hopkins, yeah. Um, he wrote a letter to his constituents where he said, you know, while many arguments were offered, the letter right here. While many arguments were offered during the course of debate in support of using a property tax increase to help close the gap, the one I just talked about, I am well aware of the burden that would put on all property owners in the second ward, which is his ward. That's why I have consistently pledged to oppose any increase 
in the property tax levy. So what was that name of that guy who got all these congressmen to make a no new taxes pledge? Uh, uh, you Gordon Norquist. Yeah, Norquist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you know. So it looks, sounds like Hopkins is kind of kind of, he's well, kind of like, channeling his own Norquist. I there. would like to uh, point something out about Brian Hopkins. Is your second ward alderman, which is a very bizarrely drawn ward. I would want to say it's on the north side, uh, but it kind of like stretches all over the place. So it's north side, northwest side, etc. He was from the Streeterville le- to Bucktown. Is yeah, and, and very narrow. Uh, it's it's a gerrymandered ward. Uh, anyway, uh, he was the quarterback, if you will, that led the charge for the Lincoln Yards uh, TIF vote, which, as Dave Glaude knows, uh, raised property taxes throughout the city. Uh, so it's interesting that now suddenly he is a uh, champion uh, uh, against, on behalf of the beleaguered property taxpayers of Chicago. So he's voting no on raising property taxes, $72 million, did you say, uh, in this current budget to pay for things like police and firefighters, stuff that we need, but that he was leading the charge to raise property taxes by untold hundreds of millions. I don't even know how much because it's so convoluted when you get into t- to a TIF, uh, but to approve a, a handout, what was it, one point? Uh, Lincoln Yards is one point three billion. Am I yeah, one point three billion. One point three billion. So it's one of those things uh, where you can have your cake and eat it too. Thank you. <laughs> Well done, well done, Mr. Bike. So let's go so, on to yes. some of the other. Uh, some of these no votes are kind of interesting. Okay. Um, there, w- there was. I would categorize the no votes as sort of uh, in principle about you know there there are things we can do better in terms of social justice and pro- so-called progressive revenues. Uh, that this budget doesn't address. This is a, a contention by some of the progressive aldermen. And then there were a couple, what I would call, very detail-oriented objections that say these particular things in the budget don't work. And the first one I want to highlight is from Alderman Lopez of the 15th Ward, and let's listen to what he had to say. What we've seen in this budget is that, for starters, it's a violation of the law. This budget is not balanced. This budget isn't just precariously balanced, it's completely unbalanced to the tune of $163 million. If you were to take at face value what this administration has presented, if $163 million doesn't happen, and if the rosy projections laid bare by the administration don't come true, there will be a supplemental ordinance saying property taxes have to go up, or 1,000 positions are finally truthfully going to be cut and not rebranded and refurbished in this budget. Deal with the truth now before we're coming back the end of December to address it then. Some have raised concerns that this budget is built on revenue projections and assumptions. Every budget is built on revenue projections and assumptions, period. To have a balanced budget, we aren't required to have the revenue today. We simply need to have it in the door during the fiscal year 2020. And when it comes to the $168 million in ambulance reimbursements, municipalities across Illinois, not just the city of Chicago, already receive reimbursements for these services. The difference is that all these municipalities and the city of Chicago have worked together with the governor's administration to see our costs fairly reimbursed. That was 42nd Ward Alderman Brendan Riley, who was sort of rebutting what Alderman Lopez says. So what they're talking about is in mayor's budget, 
is a $163 million that hasn't, isn't uh, quite a sure thing yet. And what they're talking about is this. Let's say when you leave the studio today, you walk out the front door of the Sun-Times building, some guy runs up, grabs you, and body slams you to the curb, and you hit your head. Not that this is a common occurrence, but I'm, I'm just using it as an example. What an example to so, use. So then, <laughs> Whoa, what are you saying? <laughs> anyway, let's so, follow so your it, example. So a Go Chicago ahead. Fire Department ambulance comes, mm-hmm. takes you to the hospital. Presumably you, you're okay, you still live, and you're healthy. Then what will happen is the city of Chicago will send you a bill mm-hmm. for that ambulance ride. And it's usually hundreds of dollars. So they, they charge for that. Well, apparently what's been happening is that it, with indigent people, they never recover that money mm-hmm. because they don't have it. Yeah. So what this part of the uh, budget uh, says it's going to do is they're going to start billing Medicaid for these rides that indigent people are taking, where apparently they had not been billing Medicaid before and Medicaid is a state-run, uh, federally subsidized, fa- state-run um, health plan. So apparently, the governor is on board with making with with providing this uh, revenue. But I guess the the federal government has to okay it before it happens. So what Lopez is saying is that it's the feds haven't approved it, so it's technically not in there yet. And he's going to go so far as saying, well, that's why this, this budget is out of balance, and therefore it violates the law. Mm-hmm. And Riley rebuts it and says, well, you know, there's a lot of things in here that haven't materialized They're yet. They're projections. Yeah. And so what's your position on this, the, the Riley versus Lopez discourse? I was very curious that this sort of elucidation that I've just made has not been made by the Lightfoot administration. Everything I've seen reported about saying it's a pretty sure thing. We we are it's sort of pre-approved, like a mortgage loan, you know. But they haven't talked about how common it is elsewhere, uh, why it hasn't been done in the past to try to sell it, which seems to me is a really um, no, it seems like a mistake, you know. they haven't done enough to sell what? The, to the fa- sell this particular revenue this package that, that would have uh, cut the feet out mm-hmm. uh, from under Lopez of this argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to say this. I'm delighted to hear that argument come from Ray Lopez, who uh, a, f- a frequent guest on this show. Ray Lowe, if you're listening, um, he's come a long way. I remember when he was a rookie alderman interviewing him as a rookie I alderman. Agree. I think that Ray Lowe, when was that? 2015, I went down to your offices, I interviewed you. Uh, he was a babe in the woods, just been elected. And to hear him speak with such authority uh, about the budget process, uh, I, I got to tip my hat to him. He was paying attention. He's learned a lot. Uh, and I say this is an old guy to a young guy because he's a millennial. Uh, I believe that... Uh, Ray Lowe and I don't see eye to eye on a lot of things politically. He's more conservative than I am, but I welcome his voice. And I'll tell you why I say this, uh, Dave. What he's saying is absolutely true. Any budget is a projection. And generally, they're making the best projection possible in order to, as Ray Lowe points well, out. That's what Riley is saying, actually. Well, but okay, yes. All right. So any budget is a projection and they're putting the best spin possible on the budget so that they can claim it's balanced. And my guess is that when all is said and done, Ray Lowe will be proved correct and Riley will not be proved correct. And they'll be coming back at some point in this year, just as Ray Lowe is predicting uh, and asking for more money on the grounds that they're running low on money because they were too 
glowing in their projections back in November of 2019. So I think Raylo is correct. I think his voice is needed. I think that any uh, voice in the Chicago City Council uh, that points out sort of the fallacies and the tricks uh, that mayors employ to convince us that they're balancing a budget when in fact they have no idea if the budget is balanced is uh, welcome. We're on the same page on this. I think both of us as lovers of democracy want to see the opposing voices made uh, not silenced. And in the case of somebody like Ray Ray Lopez, to do it thoughtfully and with uh, a certain amount of knowledge that I agree he he didn't seem to have before, but he was a rookie alderman, yeah. uh, and so he was. He joined the city council. I think it was 2015. So you know, he wouldn't know these things if he was obsessively reading my columns and listening to our discussions and our. Because we've talked about this in the past: how budgets are projections, how uh, there's a, such a thing as an election year projection, and then there's a post-election year projection. This budget was kind of curious. It really wasn't your typical uh, post-election. Uh, budget where the mayor has three years to just raise taxes and 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 fund things. She kind of punted on this budget. Yeah, so he's probably getting some of that stuff from your columns and from somebody who sits next to him that wasn't sitting next to him before. <laughs> Would that be uh, Edward Burke? That's right. He changed seats. He's <laughs> uh, sitting right next to Alderman Lopez. Yeah. And uh, so you're thinking that Ed Burke is explaining to this I'm stuff? I'm just stating the fact that Alderman Burke now sits next to Alderman Lopez. I'm Kid, never used let me to. tell you this stuff. This is what's going on. So uh, let's move Move on to another uh, argument that people had. Uh, some, someone else who is another frequent critic of the Lightfoot administration in its short tenure is Alderman Anthony Beal of the Ninth Ward, and let's hear what he had to say. I rise to say no to this budget. We stated that when we go to Springfield, if we didn't get what we wanted, that we would have to look at property tax. Well, we went to Springfield and we didn't get what we wanted. We got zero from what my good friend Willie Wilson says, a casino that we didn't get. Springfield asked, why didn't we do an RFP on the casino? I asked that we do an RFP because you never know what kind of fish you might catch just by putting an RFP out there. You might have got somebody that said just maybe we can look at doing something with the formula that was in place. A wise man in my ward told me just last night that he recalled that Harold Washington had a budget that passed December 30th at 9 o'clock at night because this body was working to balance a budget. What's the hurry if we anticipate in getting this $163 million? Well, I tell you what, if we don't get that $163 million, you all are going to be raising property taxes on the backs of our people, and then how many accolades are we going to have in this body? So Alderman Meal makes a few points. One, he's talking about, he's reiterating the thing about the $163 million ambulance reimbursement. But the other thing I want to highlight is he's talking about the fact that Chicago didn't implement the casino or didn't put out a request for proposals for a Chicago casino as was um, enacted by the General Assembly. I just want to, uh, one more time, I cannot say this enough. It will, hold your thought. I just want to say this. Uh, in all due respect uh, to Alderman Beal and all due respect to Alderman Lopez, again, I welcome 
any dissenting voice in the Chicago City Council. I welcome more light shed on the budget process. I welcome people uh, going back, getting historical, uh, comparable parables like Harold Washington, what went down. I'm, I'm guessing that made that a favorite comment. Of I welcome all that. I would just want to point out that both Raylo and Beal, like Hopkins, voted for Lincoln Yards. And when they created Lincoln Yards, folks, don't be ignorant, okay? If, if we're all about educating the public, what they did was they took very valuable property in a gentrifying neighborhood off the tax rolls so that it couldn't be taxed. And when they did that, they forced tax rates on everybody else to go up to pay the bills. So they voted to raise your property taxes when they created those two TIFs, Lincoln Yards and 78. They voted to raise your property taxes. Now they're coming back and saying how much they care about you and your property tax bill. So it's good to listen to what Beal and Lopez say and Oh, oh boy, Hopkins have to say as they're looking out for your property tax on this budget. But then you have to ask them, where were you? Where were you the vigilant defenders of our property tax bills when it came to voting yes for Mayor Rahm's TIF at 78 and Lincoln Yards? And, I just had to say that. And okay. actually, a city council member made your point during that meeting. It was Alderman Michelle Smith of the 43rd Ward. She Another said, reader of Ben Jarofsky's a long time ago. She said, uh, I don't remember the exact quote, and I'm sorry I don't have the clip, but she said, anyone who voted yes on Lincoln Yards should vote yes on this budget. And she did vote yes on the budget herself, by the way. Well, I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, it's a similar point. It's not the I, same, it's same point. point. I would yeah. not phrase it that way because I would have voted... I would have voted no to Lincoln Yards a million times, uh, but I get her point. Her, I, I get her point. It is there's some. It's like a distant cousin of the point I'm making right here. But I, I just when I hear Anthony Beal and I hear Raylo, and as much as I appreciate them uh, speaking out against this budget, I'm just reminded, uh, Dave, about just the utter inconsistency and the hypocrisy. About that was the word I thought you were going to use, yeah. hypocrisy. The yeah. utter hypocrisy of our aldermen who champion, and the Politanos in that boat too for the 41st Ward, he voted for those two tips. Anybody else? Uh, the, the, uh, I think Brendan Riley voted no on, on the- Lincoln Yards? On Lincoln Yards. I want to say- I don't recall. I can't recall. Uh, and James Gardner wasn't even there, so I can't blame him one way or the other because uh, he's a rookie alderman out of the 45th Ward. But just the other hypocrisy, like a tax hike is not a tax hike when it's in a TIF district, but a tax hike is a tax hike when it comes to what? Voting for more money for firefighters and police. And so it's just, I would like a little less hypocrisy and a more honesty in the part of our aldermen when they're standing up for the beleaguered property taxpayers. That's all. Here, here. Uh, the other point that Alderman Beal makes is around this, as I said, the city casino. And one of the accusations he's making is that the city could have put out. All right. So here's what happened is after the state passed um, the law allowing the Chicago to finally get a casino that uh, some people have wanted for a long time. The law included an economic feasibility study that had to be done within 90 days. So I don't know who went on, out and hired this Las Vegas-based firm, but some <laughs> outfit called Union Gaming Analytics yeah, found that 
you know what? The tax structure is just too onerous that whoever does this is just, they can't make enough money. It ain't yeah. going to work. So at which point the Lightfoot administration kind of threw up their hands and said, well, you know, this, uh, we can't put out RFP for this thing. Let's go back to the General Assembly. Yeah. And this is what Beal is specifically talking about. She said, let's go back in November to the General Assembly when during their veto session and see if we can't get them to lower mm -hmm. the taxes in that law on the casino so it can make more money. Mm -hmm. Well, right after that, uh, of, of that announcement, is the chief sponsor of the, uh, essentially the Chicago casino law, Senator Terry Link of Waukegan, uh, said that he was skeptical. He said, quote, whoever runs it is still going to make lots of money, yeah. unquote, without changing the law. So Beal is saying, look, you, you didn't have to, you could have gotten this money some other way. You don't need to worry. You don't have to rely so much on other revenues like property taxes if you had actually just put this thing out for bid. And then your um, colleague, Robert Herguth in the Sun-Times reported that uh, reported Mayor Lightfoot's connection to gambling interests, mm. namely that she's received about a quarter million dollars from relatives of a gentleman named Neil Bloom, who's mm -hmm. a casino operator. Yeah. So these are just facts. Uh, so it's interesting that, that um, Beal raises this. I, and let's just take a moment to uh, just take a little deeper dive in what you said. We've discussed this many times in this show. Uh, yes, indeed, the uh, state legislature passed a casino bill that would uh, allocate uh, a certain amount of money for the city of Chicago, a certain amount of money for the state of Illinois, and a certain amount of money for the operator. Uh, and then, you're, as you said so well, the operator, this consultant report said that's not enough money for the operator, at which point Lori Lightfoot went back to Springfield to ask them to change the formula. And we've talked about this on the show many times, Dave, uh, with Jeff Johnson and other experts or uh, budget gurus. You know, who's going to lose? If you're going to give more money to the operator of the casino, then either the state or the city is going to lose some money on the deal. And I am with Beal on this one. I'm like, uh-uh. No. Negatory. <laughs> Negatory. <laughs> Anthony Beal, I'm with you on this one. Absolutely. I, I should point out that even if a casino RFP had gone out, that would not have affected the 2020 budget because... The, they would still have to uh, award it. There wouldn't be any operation, presumably, uh, until the end of the well, year. Well, you can make projections. Again, budgets are, they could be sneaky, and they could go, well, we project that the budget will be operating by November of 2020. And, you know, to pay, play devil's advocate with myself, they could they could put in a temporary <laughs> casino yeah. in a place like, oh, I don't know, the Thompson Center. Yes. And, you know, and just and start to start well, the money rolling. I love rolling it when he it. plays devil's advocate with himself. <laughs> On one hand, this, it's like Woody Allen in Bananas, where he cross-examines himself. You remember that? I'm yeah, yeah, millennials. Guys, Hang tight, guys. <laughs> Anyway, I'm with you, Beal. Okay, I wish you could have... Oh, the bike. That was the, the cash register. Oh, that was the cash register. I'm with you, Beal. I wish you had voted uh, no on the seven, uh, on those two tips, but you're absolutely correct. They should have... Requests for... When Alderman... By the way, that's the other thing that kind of... Uh, acronyms, RFPs. That's uh, You were talking at, a, at the outset about how when you take a look at the piece of paper that says what's in the agenda, no normal human being would know what they were doing. So, you know, we're, we're supposed to... This is supposed to be the le, uh, let in the light era of transparency. That's a great slogan. Yeah. What? Let in the light? Yeah. Thank you. I <laughs> uh, wish I had thought about it. Uh, and uh, so... This you know, little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> 
<laughs> this little light of mine. Let it shine with a piece of paper that says exactly what you're she doing. She never sang it, though. Oh, yeah, she, she never. But uh, so, but I don't know. It's just like when guys get up and do the acronyms, you know, RFP. Then you should say what an RFP is. Not everybody knows what an RFP is. Sorry, man. You know, in journalism, you always have to identify, right? You know, comma, Dave Glowatz, comma, uh, budget analyst, bike rider, and bad mother beep, and that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? You always have to. Gotcha. OSTFU, Jirofsky. Let's see PT. I mean, let's see about some other aldermen's objections. Let's talk about now some of the uh, so-called progressive aldermen and what what they had to say. Let's, so-called progressive. Let's, Are you doubting that they're really progressive? I'm just saying, you know, it's not my my term; it's their term. Um, let's first go to the 25th alderman who was elected this year, Alderman Sigcho Lopez, who will be a guest on this show, I think, Friday. I want to say. Well, let's hear him in advance, Mr. Bike. Up top, man, you are killing it, setting me up with these. Good job. <laughs> Quite frankly, this is the easiest vote I've ever taken in Starting four out years. with Alderman Garza. I hear some of my colleagues talking about an easy budget. But let me tell you that outside these walls, for Chicagoans in this city, it is not easy. Just a few days ago, one of the developers that was a beneficiary of the previous administration did not do the minimum affordable housing, was also trying to evict a 72-year-old senior in the middle of the winter. So how are we going to address the issue of affordable housing when it's not our priority? Now, understand that we don't have unlimited resources. However, we got to define our priorities. As a city council member, I got my priorities very clear because I see my constituents every day coming for resources from Chinatown to Pilsen to the West Loop, the lack of affordable housing, the lack of resources for mental health services, and it's painful to be silent before alderman sigcho lopez spoke there was a quick clip there of alderman sue garza sedlowski garza of the ten, alderwoman sue sedlowski yeah, garza right. of right, the 10th ward who notably said this is the easiest budget i've ever voted for and sigcho lopez said no this is not for me maybe it's for you but it's not for me and he talked about the fact that the budget does not include um, expenditures for affordable housing and mental health services that many of his constituents and many of other aldermen's constituents across the city have wanted. And notably, he is the alderman of the area called the 78 that is a beneficiary of another TIF TIF district uh, going in the South Loop. So he he talked about some other... um, uh, I want, I, I want to go to his tone. His tone is one of sort of, I, I, can't, I can't stomach this. I can't, uh, he said, I will not be silent mm-hmm. on, this, on this issue. And even though someone like Susadlowski Garza feels like this is, this, is, this is a budget that works for her value-wise, Sigcho Lopez, uh, Lopez is saying the exact opposite. Yeah. It, is, it does not work for me value-wise. Uh, do you have a, a t- bit you're going to play here now? I have more, yeah. Okay, well, I just want to say that, uh, just to, to point to something out, the the first clips that you uh, were uh, playing had to deal with... Uh, Details. No, they had to deal with the raising of the money. 
Ah. And now we're getting into the spending of the money. And so there's two ways to oppose. There's there's two general subsets of opposition uh, to the mayor's budget. One has to deal with the raising the money. So you heard uh, Hopkins, uh, Beal, and Lopez talking about how they think this is a burden on the property taxpayers. One more time, I'll point out that all three of them uh, were uh, nowhere to be found on the behalf of the property taxpayers when it came to the TIFs. But I welcome their concern about the property taxpayers on this budget. So they're concerned about the raising of the money. Now, Byron Sixer Lopez, the alderman of the 25th Ward, is protesting and criticizing the uh, expenditure of the money, how the money is spent. And in his particular case, it's not fair or just for the city of Chicago to raise property tax dollars on people and then use the money not and not use the money to meet the most pressing needs that folks have. So that's essentially his criticism. Which invites a question posed by Alderman Matt Martin of the 47th Ward that it is namely... If you want to spend more on affordable housing or mental health services, where is that money going to come from? And Martin talked a little bit about that. Damn, you're good. When I went to the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, they talked about how easy it is to vote no on something. This is Alderman James Kaplan. How much harder it is to negotiate, to get to a win-win, or at least get to a point where everyone loses a little bit. This budget does that. Ooh, I love With that tremendous respect to my colleague, Alderman Kappelman, a no vote is not easy. Voting no is challenging for me and emotional as well because communicating that vote does not, in my opinion, reflect the sort of time and effort that individuals have put into the budget and with me personally. When you've listened to me and you've spoken candidly with me, it's, it's not easy. And so share my frustrations with the budget. And there are frustrations that I think almost everyone I've spoken with to a T shares. Things around overtime that is rampant and unchecked with our police department and our fire department. And I want to emphasize that it's, it's not a frustration with individuals within those particular departments. It's, it's about this larger systems that they find themselves in and systems that we as a broader city government are in the process of reckoning with, including the rising cost of lawsuits for officer misconduct, alleged and actual, an inadequate investment in affordable housing, especially in communities like mine, which have more resources than many, but not the sort of resources to maintain and expand affordability, which was a big reason why I'm here. (coughs) Also, my frustration with our inability to bring in more progressive revenue I think some of my no vote, to be honest, is a reflection of my own failure in terms of my inability, albeit in a short process, to put together information and to sell colleagues on some of the ideas that I mentioned earlier. So my hope is that certainly starting January 1st, if not earlier, that I'll be in a position to help effectuate these things. Because with things like the corporate head tax, I know that there are real reservations with that. And with things like pilot, with other TIF surplusing approaches, and I want to make sure that I do a better job of pitching that so that next year I'm in a position, hopefully, to vote yes. So notice the tone of Alderman Martin there. I think it's interesting that He says, part of the blame lies with myself, Mm -hmm. not with the mayor, that I didn't sell these progressive revenue sources, a few of which he names. The corporate head tax, he talks about, there's another acronym for you, PILOT, which stands for Payment in Lieu of Taxes, Mm -hmm. namely having large nonprofit institutions like University of Chicago Hospitals and Northwestern Hospital 
who currently don't pay property taxes to agree to a voluntary payment, which is done in places like Boston. This is really good stuff that you have, Dave. Excellent job bringing these clips in. Let's just, I'm going to talk a little bit about what Kappelman, the bit about Kappelman, James Kappelman, the alderman from the 46th Ward, which is of the uptown area, just east of Mar- Matt Martin's Ward, which is the 47th Ward. Even though they're in a sort of general area, the same sort of general region of the city, are widely different. What Kappelman is saying, articulating, is classic Chicago verbiage from an alderman or from a mayor, and that is anybody who dares to disagree with the official line of the city of Chicago. And this 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 worldview goes back to the days of Richard J. Daley. Kappelman wasn't even born he, when when Daley was articulating this, and he somehow or other, find, it's morphed itself into him it's, as a creature. It's like, how many trees have you planted? So if anybody dares to disagree with whatever the all-powerful chief of the city of Chicago said, they're a troublemaker. They're a ne'er-do-well. They never come up with any ideas. You can't get along with anybody. I remember people People saying this about the great, the legendary Leon Dupre. And let me tell you something, Kappelman. Nobody remembers the go-alongs, the cogs in the machine who do whatever the mayor tells them, no matter how dumb it is. But people remember those who had the guts to stand up to a mayor when the mayor was wrong. And I believe, uh, I'm thinking of the... um, I'm thinking of the vote to sell the uh, parking meters right mm-hmm. now. Where was it? 39 to 5, something like that. Right, the, the, fi- five the five people who voted for it, proud, they wear it as a badge of courage. The 39 who went along and used rhetoric much like Kappelman used at the time, Dave, because we talked about it on our old podcast. Oh, where's your solutions? How many trees have you planted? Can't you just go along for once? Remember Mel saying, nobody reads this stuff anyway. So you're saying that Kappelman just gave a more sugar coat version of that. Yes, a more sugar-coated version. He, he tried more to, he tried to tony it up with his reference to going to some Harvard school. school. No, and I thought that Matt Martin was correct, and I appreciate what Matt Martin did, and he was saying, it was Yes, you're right. It was Matt Martin was saying, I'll take the blame. He was essentially saying, all of you guys, you know, ducked on this issue of uh, implementing progressive ways to pay for government that the mayor was against. You ducked the challenge of fighting, taking on the mayor. So I'm gonna take the responsibility for not doing a better job of articulating uh, why these are good ideas. I'm gonna tell you, Matt Martin, I give you credit for taking the high road uh, by positioning it that way, but I'll tell you this right now. No matter how much sales job you do over the years, no matter how much you package it, no matter how convincing it is, if the mayor says no, the James Kappelmans of the world will not vote for it. That is the reality in the city of Chicago. Most of the aldermen, uh, 26 of the aldermen, I would say, will pretty much follow the mayor off a cliff which is what they've done in many cases, like the parking meter deal. So you think Martin is tilting at windmills? I think that Matt Martin is a gracious guy. He's a real gentleman. I'm proud to say that he's my alderman. He's been on the show uh, several times, uh, and he's putting the best spin possible on that you could put on this situation. I do not believe, and I hope, prove me wrong, city council, but I do not believe in any, uh, no matter how convincing Matt Martin is, no matter how passionate he is, no matter how much evidence he unveils to show how it's more fair to bring back the head tax or to, pilot. Uh, to have pilot or one of our favorites, the LaSalle Street tax. You and I have talked about that for years. All these other progressive ways to raise money uh, to fund the things that we need in the city of Chicago. I feel the forces that are against that, 
the corporate interests that are against that have so much clout with Mayor Lightfoot that she would not entertain him, just like Mayor Rahm would not entertain him, just like Mayor Richard uh, M. Daly would not entertain it. And it doesn't matter what an alderman says to try to convince them. If the mayor says no, 26 aldermen at least will, follow, in this case, follow her. So, so many people believe that uh, in this last election of how many in, uh, new aldermen were there? There were 12? Maybe right. Thirteen. So anyway, some you know some low teens number that there were enough new. There was enough new blood on the city council to essentially negate what you were saying that they themselves form a block and could get enough other people to participate that that would that that would enable them to take an agenda that they that a mainstream mayor like Lightfoot would not necessarily cotton to. And be able to push it over, but you don't, you think that's a that's a pipe dream in this? Well, it was eleven. I mean, it, listen, if you do the breakdown, and this is going into the weeds, uh, but if you do the breakdown uh, to, to to make the point that you made earlier, uh, there were I think six aldermen of the Democratic Socialist persuasion who would not be afraid. Uh, who would be like Matt Martin being one of them, who would not be afraid to stand up to the mayor on issues of taxes. Uh, and then there are aldermen like Lopez and uh, Beal who are more conservative in their outlook, but they have found themselves in this position somehow or other of being outspoken, uh, independent-minded critics of the way Lori Lightfoot is running her budget and running her city. And so, uh, and that's, it, you know, I, th th that's where we're at. We're at 11. We're at 11 in the city council and there's a 50, it's a 50 person body. So you need 26 yes votes. So we're far away from that. I think we're better off and we're in a healthier state, uh, Dave, definitely than we were, let's say in uh, 2009 or whenever it was that they voted 39 to five on the parking meter deal. I guess uh, there would be 11 vote no votes to that parking meter deal. Uh, if by the way, I think Beal was a voted for the parking meter Did deal. He? If I'm correct, yeah. yes, Beal. Would. Well, you know, I know you know the five that because yeah. uh, you had to name them recently. Yes, I had to. Uh, our next guest, I love when my guests show up early. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I. I'd like to think that we're in a better position because we had 11 that voted no for whatever reason. They, you know, a principled opposition. I tend to think it's healthier if you have principled opposition in a city like Chicago, which the problem, my general problems with in, in the city of Chicago is not what Kappelman's getting at, that people say no. Uh, my general issue in the city of Chicago is that all too many people just do whatever they're told and, and never dare to raise a question, never dare to challenge a mayor, never dare to question a budget report, go along with whatever TIF deal is put in front of them. Which, which invites the question, and this will be my last point, is what retribution do aldermen fear when they say no in these situations? And some of the aldermen who were naysayers in the, during the Emanuel administration, like Sedlowski Garza, like Waggis Peck, are now... Yay, Sayers. <laughs> but one of the last things that uh, one of the last people to speak on the budget uh, before the passage of it was Alderman Wagespeck, who is the the finance chair and the thirty second ward alderman. And this is what he had to say. Let's see what Scotty says. Whether you vote against this budget or for it, you should have no fear in your choice. You should have no fear that a city worker is not going to do their job 
as they have in the past. Streets and sand workers will still get out there and do their job. Police and fire will still do their job. Our workers in forestry, family services, and every department will continue to do their job, regardless of how you vote today. All right, I, I I must address this. I must address this. Where did you? Have, I have to say this. Uh, as much as I love Scott Wagaspak, he's been on the show many times. I did disagree with him, and I've used his ward as an example. In the entire history of the city of Chicago, in this century, and I'm looking at my next two guests. Uh, they can think about what I'm about to say and challenge me if they want. But in the entire history of the city of Chicago since 2000, no ward has been punished because its alderman voted against a mayor's budget. And I say that Mayor Rahm, I was no fan of him. And Mayor Daley, I was no fan of him. This is a myth that aldermen put up to justify their cowardice and their failure to stand up to a mayor. And I did the challenge in 2000, and this, and this relates to you, uh, Dave, because it had to do with bike riding. And this is one of my favorite little stories. I was sitting having dinner with a dear friend of mine who lives in Scotty Wagaspak's ward, and he says he loves Scotty Wagaspak even if he does vote against um, the mayor's budget, but he's paying for it because the streets are so unpaved, okay? So this dude, who I love dearly, thought that the streets of the 32nd Second. Second Ward were unpaved because Scotty Wagsback dared to vote against Mayor Rahm's budget, at which point I said to him, obviously you're not a bike rider in the city of Chicago. You cannot ride down Damon Street in the city of Chicago and not go through potholes, over potholes, huge gaps. You don't know what ward you're in. You could be in the ward of Pat O'Connor, who was the mayor's floor leader. You could be in the ward of um, Scotty Wagasback, who was his greatest critic. You wouldn't Joe Moore, who was the greatest uh, yes vote that Mayor Rahm had. And you wouldn't know. It, it's the inability of the city of Chicago to come up with the money to pave its streets is the problem. It's not the aldermen's being punished. So one must wonder what motivates Wagasback to talk like this. I, I imagine a few possibilities. One is that he understands this perception like the one that you talked about just now. Yeah. Uh, but another thing is uh, he, he doesn't enunciate the idea that there will be retribution in some form. And I'll tell you exactly what happened right after this vote was taken. Reportedly, the mayor had a little pizza party for the aldermen, but the only ones who could come were the ones who <laughs> voted yes on the budget. That's not such a big deal, but it, it sends it sends a message. It does right? send a message. Right? Why not have the pizza party for petty. everybody? It's pretty you know? petty. But, I call that petty. But the next thing that happened is that the the mayor uh, has a as a political action committee, one for her own campaign and one to give money to other candidates that you know she yeah. likes. And the the campaign for the latter reportedly started putting up the names of the people who voted no on the budget. And provided a link so anybody who said who who was wanted to uh, give them grief about that they could go and go, follow through on a link and send them you know harass them on social media about it uh, so it's already begun. I, I listen. That's a different point, and I'll concede that absolutely. It was the same way with Mayor Rahm. 
if you vote no to mayor's budget, that mayor will probably be against you and will run someone against you. Scotty, Mayor Rahm was always trying to round up someone to run against Scotty Wagesback and was always ready to give money to somebody to run against Scotty Wagesback because he voted against his budget. That's different than saying that a forestry worker will not come out to your ward to trim your trees. Which is exactly my point. So Wagesback either did, it didn't occur to him, you know, the point I'm making didn't occur to him or he doesn't, he doesn't believe it. My question is, you know, I'm moving sometimes, I, I want to focus on government operations, but the politics is very interesting. I think many of us were led to believe there would be a politics of collaboration in the Lightfoot administration. I, I think there's some questions here. Lori, uh, yeah, no, I saw the same, I follows articles, Lori Lightfoot uh, does not play. Okay, so it's the people who voted against her budget, they're gonna know about it. She's got this pack. Uh, there, if you if you look at the pack, if you click on it, uh, you'll see something like uh, it'll say like if you click on uh, let's say oh boy Byron Sexual Lopez's name, uh, it'll say he voted against this progressive budget that was going to uh, correct all the problems that humanity has ever faced. It faced shamed on him. If you click on Ed Burke's name, you'll say Ed Burke voted for this great triumphant budget. He's a hero to the it's people. Yeah, yeah, so it is interesting, hey man, that Chicago politics, I understand it. Uh, and uh, so if you're an alderman and you want to go through life unopposed by a powerful mayor, you vote for uh, his or her budget. But you should not go take it the next step and say the city of Chicago is so organized that they're not going to pave your streets. I'm not going to. You should not blame it on your residents. You say, I'm going to capitulate to this powerful mayor, vote for the stupid program that he or she wants, like selling off the parking meters, because I'm worried about my streets being paved. I do not believe any mayor has with. I don't think they're capable of figuring Wagus it out. Wagaspeck is my alderman, so I'll take it up with him at the next ward night. <laughs> better be nice to Scotty, all right? He won't pave your streets. <laughs> All right. His name is Dave uh, Gloatz. He's done an outstanding job. Can we give, is there a round of applause thing? Oh, Dave, tell, that, that was that <laughs> noise. Uh, tell everybody where people can find you and what you, uh, you want the people to know. Find my reporting at Inside Chicago Government. That's shygov.com on your web. On Facebook, go to facebook.com slash inside gov. That's inside G-O-V. And on Twitter, C-H-I. G-O-V-T. That's correct. All right. The great Lori Glenn and Juanita Rosari are on deck. Can't wait to bring them on. Two of my favorite guests. When I said that to Lori Glenn, she goes, you say that to everybody. No, I only say it to Lori. All right. They're coming. <laughs> Thank you. For, I didn't say it. To we'll be right back after this. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind, but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T dot com. Take it away, 
Jeff Manuel. Manuel.